Okay. <laughs> You'll see what I mean by that. If we took a survey of everybody who's here this morning, there has probably been some occasion in which you have been asked to participate in a survey. So if we did a survey of those who have been surveyed, we'd probably find that almost everybody has been. Surveys, polls are very commonplace in our world. They happen all the time. And also, we are then exposed to the statistics that come from those polls and surveys which have been taken. Um, all sorts of subjects. A, a simple Internet search will uh, put you in access to all kinds of statistics about almost any subject that you would care to consider. Now, that can be helpful. That can be a, a helpful thing. If you're selling cars or toaster ovens, Surveys of what people like, what they prefer, what they don't like, what they definitely want to avoid. All that could be helpful if you're in the marketing business, for instance. Surveys and polls and their results are very helpful. I think it can be helpful to us, not because we are in the sales business, but because we can learn something from those polls about how people think religiously and therefore be prepared to deal with the trends that are current as regards to what people are saying about religious pursuit. Today I want to share with you some results of a poll that recently was taken by an organization called Lifeway Christian Resources out of Nashville. And they simply took a poll about the reasons why people leave the church. Reasons why people leave the church. Now, Understand that they're going to use the word church there differently than we do. They're talking about why people leave the religious denominational association that they have been in. Why do they leave that religious organization? Why do they, why do they no longer go there? That sort of thing. We understand that they're using the word in, in a way that differently than what we would and differently than we think that the, the scriptures use the word. But you understand the expression. And so this LifeWay Christian Resources Organization has done a poll. Reasons people leave the church. We want to look at those reasons that are stated as, uh, uh, and then uh, probably a couple reasons what, why we should and what we can gain from it. One is that we certainly would want to avoid those things ourselves. And then we, we also want to help others who've maybe been thus affected and as a result have left uh, the pursuit of religion. So looking at this poll, I think, I hope you will agree, can be helpful to us. Thank you for being here on this beautiful Lord's Day morning. We're so grateful to see the sunshine today. I'm glad that uh, we have an opportunity, most of all, to come together to worship, to study, to join together in the praises of God, to be an encouragement one to another, all of those things that are designed and built into what we do when we come together to worship. We're glad we have the opportunity to do that. For those who are visiting with us today, thank you. Come again, ask questions. We're always open to Bible study. Please let us know how we may be of service to you in that way. What are some of the reasons given in this poll that was recently published? Reasons people leave the church. The first reason given was that they simply became too busy. Too busy to do it. Now think about that for a minute. And I believe all of us would agree that we are very busy people. We live in a busy time. It's not that we're busy like our forefathers were busy. Uh, not that many generations ago, our forefathers would have worked from sunrise to sunset just eking out a living, just, just so that they could 
have something for tomorrow. Uh, it, it was a very hard existence, and they were busy in the sense that they had to work almost nonstop just to provide bare essentials for living. We're not like that. We live in a much more prosperous age. Our lives are much easier, but we're still busy. We're not busy working hard like they were. We're more busy with our leisure. Uh, you know, I uh, I, I want to play golf. I want to go fishing. I I, I want to go camping. I want to go shopping. I uh, I want to go to the ball game. I mean, just add the list. And of course, there's so many things calling out for our attention, wanting us to spend time doing this or that. And so, although our busyness is different than our forefathers' business was, we're still a very busy people. And it's easy to let that busyness crowd God out of our lives. Obviously, as a result of this poll that we're, we're talking about, there were a lot of people who left the church because they said they just got too busy to keep it up. What about that? Well, Jesus taught the parable of the sower. You're familiar with it. In Luke's account, is in Luke chapter 8, beginning verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed. There were four different types of soil where the seed was sowed. Some, But it, he, he specifies some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. Okay? That was in the parable. Then... Subsequently, when Jesus explained the parable in regards to that seed that fell among the thorns, he said, that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. I want to tell you, I don't believe there's ever been a more dangerous time in the history of mankind than this time for that very sad outcome. To, to let the word be choked out uh, with cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. We certainly need to be on guard. We need to be very careful. Uh, it can, and obviously does, cause lots of people to quit pursuing religion, to stop trying to serve God. People simply get too busy. I can remember through the years... Uh, uh, maybe guys talking back and forth, you know, we're going to go fishing Saturday. We're going to go hunting Saturday. So, ah, someone says, ah, I can't go. I'm just too busy. And we've always joked, I want to tell you, if you're too busy to go fishing, you are too busy. We've made that joke before. But in regards to serving God, it is absolutely true. If you're too busy to serve God, you are way too busy. And you need to be shedding some things out of your schedule so that you can have the time to do what you need to do to serve God. Don't get too busy for God. A lot of people do. It causes them to quit. And we cannot allow ourselves to do that. Also in this survey, people said the thing that caused them to leave the church was that they, their family and home responsibilities prevented them from being able to do so. Uh, you know, I, I would agree that I think this is a, a familiar, and I wouldn't really say reason, this is a familiar excuse that people give. Uh, they neglect to do their spiritual duty, but they say it was because they're busy providing for their family and meeting the needs of their children and so forth. So they let family and home responsibilities get in the way. Now, when they, when they say that, you know this to be true, very often what they're saying is that they're, they're spending extra time at work, they're working harder, they're doing more of that sort of thing, so that they can buy a bigger house, uh, drive a nicer car, go on a more expensive vacation, and so forth. So, the, I, I guess the first challenge we would make to people is, if you're too busy for religion, if you're too busy to pursue God because you say you have to 
work to provide for your family, maybe you need to back that down a little bit. Maybe you don't need that new house. Maybe you don't need that expensive vacation. Maybe you can drive that older car. If it means serving God faithfully, then by all means do that. And don't allow family, so-called family and home responsibilities uh, to keep you from doing right. But you know, even if you pared this all the way down to just the very most basic necessities, we often refer to them as food, clothing, and shelter. Even if you could pare this down all the way to the bare necessities of living, we would still, we would still tell people, even if you're having to just scratch out a meager existence, you still have to put God first. Um, guiding your family in the ways of God is more essential even than the bare necessities of life. You've got to put God first. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus warned, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Jesus said, you can't put family before me. Even even to the extent of providing basic needs, and I think we're all way past that. We're way beyond just providing basic needs. We're trying to we're trying to uh provide the, the luxuries. But if you put your family before God in any of those senses, uh Jesus said, You're not worthy of me. Putting God first, though, uh will actually uh, benefit our families the most. Putting God first is the best thing that we can do for our family, more than anything else we could do. Putting God first would be the very best thing. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we just ask, when it comes to family, are you keeping your primary obligations in focus? Our primary obligation is to make sure that our family, our home life, is centered on God. And to say that we're going to let family and home responsibilities take us away from God is just com- completely diametrically opposed to the way it ought to be. Family and home responsibilities should be centered on God. In this survey, some people said they left the church because they grew disenchanted with church leaders and church members. Here, I think, is a real wake-up call for the rest of us. Think about this. People quit because of us. Or at least some say they do, or it's at least a possibility. Think about that. Think about the fact that how we act and what we do and what we say can turn people away from serving God. Have you considered that? Have you considered that your personal conduct your example, your influence could be so negative that people say, I'm just done with that. I don't want any more to do with that. If that's the way they're going to be, then I don't want to be around that. Now, that should never be the case, of course, and I don't think that ever would be the case with a strong Christian. You know, a strong Christian is not going to, he's not going to let some other person keep him from serving God. But we're talking about weak people here. We're talking about people who are on the verge of quitting And then, because one of us acts out in a way that we shouldn't, we give them the opportunity to say, well, I'm I'm done then. Look at that guy. He calls himself a Christian. He's going to do that? I'm done. You see what I'm saying? So, this this wouldn't be a problem for for a strong Christian, because strong Christians don't quit the Lord anyway. But this is a problem for those who are weak. And then, 
because we don't be careful about our conduct, we give them uh, some reason to believe. We need to be careful. You remember what the prophet Nathan said to King David when he came to him in the matter about Bathsheba? You know that sordid story about David and Bathsheba. And when, when Nathan the prophet came to David, one of the things he said to him was, by this deed, what you have done in the matter of Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah the Hittite, her husband, by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. People who want to be against God are looking for some excuse to be against God. And if, if they see in us conduct that's unbecoming of a Christian, if they see speech or actions, if they see us doing things, uh, even in the way that we interact with one another, uh, you know, uh, if we don't treat one another right, if they see anything that's not the way the Bible says it ought to be, they're going to use that as an occasion to, to blaspheme the Lord, to speak against God. We have got to be on guard against that. In 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning verse 16, Peter said, keeping a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Get that. Peter says, live in such a way that even the people who are trying to speak badly about you will be ashamed when they try to because they don't have any basis for that. This is the same sort of thing that Paul told Titus. In Titus chapter 2, beginning verse 6, remember Titus, a, a young evangelist, he said, in all things showing yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, in order that the opponent may be put to shame, having no bad thing or nothing bad to say about us. Think about that. That's a pretty high, that's a pretty high bar if you, if you think about it. Live in such a way that the people who want to have something bad to say about you won't have anything to say. That's a high standard. But that's the way we ought to be living. Because if we don't, and if people see in us that we're not living the way a Christian ought to live, then that's going to cause some to grow, some weak people to grow disenchanted. They may very well leave if that is the case. And we cannot allow that to happen. Some people say that they left the church because the church is too judgmental. What's frustrating, I know you've had this frustration, you understand this, the frustration of this is these people who say this never seem to realize the obvious self-contradiction in their position. The church is too, I judge that the church is too judgmental, I'm leaving. So they're judgmental about others being judgmental, which of course is just, as I said, self-contradictory. Um, but the idea of it is, of course, that they don't like people telling others they're wrong. They don't like anybody to say, you can't do that, that's wrong, you have to change. The verse they always quote, of course, is Matthew 7, verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. Uh, people who, don't, who couldn't find that, if you handed them a Bible and asked them to find that verse, they couldn't find that verse, they don't know where it is, but they know it's in there. And they don't have any, maybe don't have any other Bible verses memorized, but they got that one memorized, judge not that you be not judged. Of course, we've pointed out so often that the context of that was the hypocritical and hypercritical judging that was so commonplace among the Jewish rulership in the days of Jesus. But in that very same context, he was talking about don't, don't judge hypocritically in, in verse 1. But when you get down to verse 15 in the same speech, this is all from the Sermon on the Mount, and in the immediate same context, Jesus said, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. 
you shall know them by their fruits implies you'll have to make some judgment about these false teachers, right? And so, Matthew 7, verse 1 is not forbidding all judging. In fact, Jesus even said in John 7, verse 24, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. We're commanded to judge. We're just not supposed to judge hypocritically or hypercritically as he was condemning there in Matthew 7, verse 1. And so, uh, I suppose that some will continue to throw up, I think they will certainly, continue to throw up this idea the church is too judgmental. Uh, we need to help them understand that the now, if, if it's our own opinions, our own think-sos, you have to do it my way sort of thing, then we got to get rid of that, absolutely. But when it comes to doing God's things in God's ways, then that's the way it must be. And, and to say so, we can't stop saying so. Uh, but we just need to help them develop the same, uh, I guess, love for and devotion to the truth that is in God's Word. Some people leave the church because they have lost faith in what they call organized religion. Now, when people say they have lost faith in organized religion, I think I know what they mean by that. You know, there's a very real sense in which religion has become big business. Uh, and, uh, you know, some of the uh, things that come out in the news about some of these big religious organizations and some of these TV evangelists and so forth is very discouraging. And it's and certainly, uh, we, would, we would join with them and say, oh, we, we've lost faith in that too. We don't believe in that either. Did you see... Just recently, there's this black TV evangelist called Cephalo Dollar. Have you ever heard of him? Some of you may have, I can't believe it. His last name is actually Dollar. Cephalo Dollar. And it was in the news this week that he is asking members of, uh, of his organization or those that may be influenced by him, he's asking them to donate $67 million so that he can buy a Gulfstream jet to fly around to various appointments that he has. I think that's what people are talking about when they say that they are have lost faith with organized religion. You know what I would say? Sign me up there too. I, I, I agree with you about that. We sympathize with you. Uh, we are very much in the same category as you. We don't go along with that kind of stuff. We don't want anything to do with that. But the problem is what people are seeing in, in this organized religion of our day is not at all like what is seen in the Scripture. It's not at all like what was in existence in the first century. With all the thousands of religious denominations that are out there and with so many abuses and with, with so many teaching all kinds of conflicting and contradictory doctrines, it's very easy to lose faith in organized religion. But we'd say that's a good thing. You ought not to be satisfied with that. Instead, we want to go all the way back to the first century. We want to go all the way back to the very origins of Christianity. We want a church that's like a church that you read about in the pages of the New Testament. And that's what we're trying to do. And so, don't, don't lose faith in that. That's still the standard. And that's what we need to be striving for. In Ephesians 4, verse 4, uh, what Henry read for us early, there's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope, you're calling one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. The basis of Christian unity, some refer to these seven ones of Ephesians 4. The thing, this is one of our memory verses, and the thing that we often tie with that is same epistle, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. God has put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. In reality, 
there's just one body, and the body is the church. There's just one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we need to be seeking it out, and we need to be striving to be that church. Because it's very understandable that all of the abuses, all of the contradiction, all of the wrongs of organized religion certainly do turn people off. We need to be striving for true New Testament Christianity. Some people say that they have left the church. This, we're, again, we're reviewing this survey by Lifeway Christian Resources in Nashville. Some people say they, they have left organized religion or they've lost, excuse me, they've left the church uh, that they were associated with because they, their circumstances in life changed. And what that was explained to mean is some rather dramatic thing occurred in their life, like maybe the loss of a loved one and they are overtaken with grief because they have lost a loved one. Maybe a divorce situation. Maybe where someone has been either uh, treated wrongly in a divorce situation or maybe even felt guilty uh, because of something that they've done that led to a divorce, a breakup of the family. All such things as that is what was under consideration here when it was said. Some left the church because of changed circumstances in their lives. Well, we know that life often does unfold in unexpected and even unpleasant ways for us. But rejecting the Lord because of that is just exactly the wrong reaction. In fact, the Lord provides solution to problems in our lives like that. In Matthew chapter 11, beginning verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to notice that Jesus understood that we can grow heavy laden because of things that happen to us in our lives. He understands that. He understands that that can happen. But notice also that he provides really the only workable solution to that heavy ladenness that can come from things that happen in our lives. And so instead of leaving the Lord, we need to come to the Lord even when bad circumstances in our lives happen. All right, one more category here. Some said they left the church because their, their job situation put them in a situation where it was hard to serve. We live in a really new time. Really, I think probably in, in the vast majority of the history of the world, we live in a different sort of time where people are so mobile. You know, we move a lot. It, it wouldn't have been that many generations ago where a person would be born and raised and, and uh, live in the same community all their lives long and never, never go anywhere else. That was common. I, uh, I remember uh, when I, I moved here to Middle Tennessee, uh, talking with different ones, I'd say, uh, well, did you grow up right here? Is this, is this where you're from? And they would say, oh, no, I'm from Hickman County. <laughs> like, Hickman County's on the other side of the world, you know. Uh, but you, you get the idea. It's, it, it's been more common in, in rural areas like ours for someone to stay right near home their whole life long. But now, that's changed a lot, and people are much more mobile. We move a lot, and it is easy to end up in a place where it's hard to serve. But I'm going to tell you, as Christians, uh, we need to be careful about that, about allowing ourselves to be moved into a situation, even for a job that might put us in a place where it's hard to serve God. We read of that situation with the family of Lot in Genesis chapter 13. 
you remember uh, Abraham and Lot had prospered, their herds had grown large, and, and so they needed to sort of split up so that they would have room for pasture and water and so forth. And Abraham gave Lot the decision. He said, uh, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plains and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. By all accounts, Lot was certainly a good man. But here he made a choice and put himself and his family in a situation that led to disaster. And we need to learn from his example and be careful. Don't let yourself be put in a place, in a situation where it's hard to serve the Lord. Make that a, a, a priority to make your choices, even about where you'll live and the job you'll do, based upon uh, serving God faithfully. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. The all things of that verse were the necessities of life, things you have to have. And the promise is, if you put God first, then you'll have the things that you need. And I believe that that is certainly true, and God will live up to that promise to us, but we have got to make our decisions based upon putting ourselves in situations where it's not hard to serve, but rather makes it easier for us to serve and be faithful. <clears throat> well, there you have seven reasons people gave in, in this survey as to why they left the church. As you think about all those, you realize that there's some things for us to learn from those. <coughs> all, uh, they're, 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 it helps us understand maybe some things that we can do differently to help those people, but also some things that we can do to protect ourselves in regards to remaining faithful to the Lord. Well, thanks for what we for uh, listening to these words and hope that they'll be an encouragement to us all. We just end with a reminder of what you already know, and that is that the only thing that ultimately matters is being right with God and serving Him faithfully in your life. Uh, have you obeyed the gospel plan of salvation? Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Based upon hearing the truth, will you believe it? Repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, and be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've never done that, we hope you will without delay. If you're a Christian already, but you've fallen away, please come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing. <coughs> <coughs> Oh, uh-huh.